Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me in this session. Um, where do I stand so I don't obstruct the presentation? Yeah, let me stand this side. Yeah. So um, I am a business development manager at SAMRO, and I just want to speak about the synergy between SAMRO and community radio stations. I'm not sure how many of you are very familiar with what SAMRO does and who we are, so I've just got a brief um, you know, explanation of what SAMRO does for those who don't necessarily have the full context. So what we do at SAMRO is that we license music users on behalf of our members, and our members are the composers, authors, and publishers who we then um, you pay royalties to for that music usage. So a music user is, uh, you know, there's different types of music users that we have identified and grouped. We've got broadcasters, we've got private TV and radio, which would also form part of the community radio stations. We've got public TV and radio, which would then be your SAPCs. Then we have general licensing, which is general venues. Um, you know, universities like this university would fall under general license user. And then we've got the online and digital, so we also license your, your Spotify, Apple Music, um, and the like. But to get into the actual, you know, uh, detail of what the talk is about, um, what we identified at SAMRO is that there are quite a lot of community radio stations um, from the, you know, the notices that we got from ICASA to update us on how many radio stations we've got or community radio stations we have. And we've identified that there are 288 licensed community radio stations in the country. Um, you know, obviously some of them are not, are not functioning. They've got redundant licenses, non-compliant with ICASA requirements. And of that database of 288 at SAMRO, as of June 2019, we have 272 on our database, meaning that of those, of those 272, we've previously licensed them, we're currently licensing some of them, and some of them don't exist anymore, or they're non-compliant or partially compliant. Um, and of the number of the 272, we've got approximately 105 that are licensed and the remainder are partially compliant and non-compliant. I'm just giving you the statistical information so you kind of get a, you know, a view of the landscape, you know, the lay of the land in the community sector. Um, and of that, um, so what we do is that our members, we've got contact centers and there's a query center. And of the, of, of the 2,000 queries that we receive from members, 25 to 50% of those are community radio station based, which means that our members recognize the importance of community radio stations and they're constantly wanting to know where they stand in terms of getting royalties from the community radio stations, which is why we then come to the community radio stations to try and get them licensed. All right, the importance of, the, of community radio. Community radio does play a critical role in the music supply food chain. As I guess most of you know, I'm not sure what the landscape of the room is, whether everybody's from a community radio station or it's just people who do have an interest in the, in the sector. But as most people would know is that the, the value of a community radio station 
in breaking an artist's career is very fundamental. Most artists, most of our members got their first big breaks from a community radio station, which supports them, which plays them before any major or commercial radio station does identify that there is this um, particular artist that's out there. Hence, we've decided that we need to come up with a, a mechanism and a way to work together as a SAMRO and the community radio sector to ensure that all the parties are on the same page in terms and in accordance to licensing, you know, the community radio stations to ensure that our members also get the full benefit of, of royalties from the community radio stations. So the current challenge that SAMRO faces with regards to community radio stations is that no, not all community radio stations are licensed, as previously stated in the first slide. So we found that from all our, our research that there's a lot of community radio stations. Some of them are in very far remote areas that, you know, getting access to those areas is also quite a bit of a challenge to ensure compliance and to kind of enforce that compliance. So a lot of the radio stations aren't licensed as I also showed you earlier that only 105 are actually fully licensed, meaning they're fully compliant, they're up to date with their license fees, and they provide us with their music usage returns. So I'll get into that a bit later. And if they are licensed, the community broadcasters sometimes don't submit the music usage report. So the music usage report is a document that we use to, to determine what music is being played and to determine the works that belong to our members so that we can collect on their behalf and apportion the correct amount of the fees towards the distribution and to payment of their royalties. So if we don't receive the music usage report, it kind of creates an, a, a situation where we have to sample, which I'll get into at a later stage. So if they do, if they are licensed and they provide the music usage reports, then the other challenge that we have is that the reports are incorrect, meaning that we don't have the correct information provided on there to determine who the composer is. Like I said, we represent the composer, so it's good and well to have the name of the artist, but if you don't then have the name of the composer on, on the music usage, then it kind of creates a bit of a challenge. And this is part of the discussion that we'll further have further on in the presentation. So the consequences of of not being um, correctly licensed or not providing the music usage is that we have to pay royalties based on samples. And what a sample is, is that we identify from the major uh, radio stations and from some of the compliant community radio stations which artists or which, which members' works are being used. And when we do that, of course, if you, if you come from at that DLA and you're not sitting at a... At a you know, right at a Metro FM or any or Kaya FM, then we can't, we wouldn't, you wouldn't get your royalties or any sort of due because you're at Matatiela FM, which is a community radio station that no one necessarily knows about, or the 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 community members who've submitted their music that's being played on there are not on these major radio stations. So it does create a bit of a challenge when we have to sample because that's almost you know in inverted commas uh, guesswork because we are using you know, samples from other radio stations that aren't a true reflection of what, you know, the, 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 the members' works that's being used. Hence the need for synergy between SAMRO and the community broadcasters. 
So the, the synergy, the reason why we're calling it a synergy is that we want to be aligned. We want to work together. We want to ensure that everybody's on the same page. And, you know, like I said before, the majority of our SEMRA members, you know, attribute their success to community radio stations. Therefore, they expect a large amount of royalties from community radio stations, which also speaks to the fact that we understand the, the nature of the community radio station sector and the expectation is high because there isn't a, a a good, you know, working relationship and energy between the community radio stations and SAMRO to kind of, you know, have these roundtable discussions, have workshops to discuss the fact, with the status of the community radio stations and then that information that we then get from yourselves, we then share it with our members to ensure that everybody's on the same page, that, you know, we don't get 25 to 50% queries related to community radio stations and, and expecting a high royalty payment from there. So what we desire as SAMRO is to engage with the community radio stations for us to work together and our first step that we've identified is that we want to run community radio station workshops. So these workshops will be across the country. We will go to all nine provinces and engage with and get a get a venue and engage with all community radio station station managers, get them all in one room and ventilate the issues, understand the landscape, understand what the biggest challenges are in order for us to then adequately assist in the process of licensing and ensuring that the licensing regime is one that is impactful and doesn't necessarily frustrate the process of the community radio stations. So what we will get and the purpose of the workshop is education-based. It's education for both us as SAMRO and education for the community radio stations. I mean, in some, I mean, some, the, some of the people that are in this room are aware of a SAMRO, are community radio stations who are fully compliant and you understand and know what SAMRO is. But there are those community radio stations who don't necessarily understand what we do as a SAMRO and the basis upon which we license them. So it's, it's really, in effect, a way to get the communication out there, get ourselves out there, speak to you, find out what your frustrations are and get in line. So we would want to in inform you of the licensing regime, how it works, because there are a lot of misconceptions around what SEMRO does and how we license. I think the biggest misconception is that SEMRO licenses community radio stations the same way that it licenses, you know, the, the commercial radio stations and the public broadcaster, which is, which is incorrect. You know, there are different regimes that we, we employ to license according to the type of radio station that you would be. Furthermore, we would also reiterate and educate on the importance of reporting, of the music usage reporting, and the consequences for our members for the failure to report. And from yourselves, um, uh, you know, our, our biggest, um, you know, what we've identified as the purpose and the, the, the get out of that is that you would then be in a position to tell us what the issues are and even suggest mechanisms that you think will work for yourselves. And of course, all of this would have to be, you know, done under you know, circumstances where it is, is, is mutually beneficial for all parties. So the desired ad outcome for that is that the licensing of all community broadcasters and maintaining full compliance, therefore to ensure balance, is reached for SAMRO in fulfilling its mandate without crippling the community broadcasters. You know, because I think I'll just give you background. Previously in the past, what had happened was that we did have community radio stations that weren't compliant with SAMRO and we 
did institute legal proceedings, but that wasn't really successful in that we had to attach equipment of the radio station, which then means the radio station doesn't function anymore, which means you've closed down you know, an outlet for the community. So that is what we don't want to do. We want to have conversations. We want to ensure that everybody is sitting on the same page and that we understand each other so it doesn't have to get to a point where we have to send out summons and send out our lawyers to to litigate against the community radio stations because that's definitely an area and angle that we want to avoid as much as possible. So I, you know, I did a short presentation because I was told I'm going to get a lot of questions, um, that I must be ready to be fired with 10,000 questions as a SAMRO because any platform where SAMRO talks, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of people wanting to know about SAMRO and there's a lot of, I, know, I already know CUT's got questions ready, you know, they've prepped me for questions, they told me, you know, so, um, you know, I, I think, you know, if there's any questions then I think now's the time to just have that engagement, have the discussions, if you need me to explain how the licensing and the fees work, because I wasn't too sure, you know, who would be in the room. So I think if that's the, you know, we can just take it from there and have more of an engaging conversation so that I can also have take back, then when we do prepare for the workshops, we have a basis that we then start um, engaging with you on. So are you first? <laughs> Okay, so is there anyone who wants to go first? At the back. I'm going to have to ask you to come forward a little bit because these questions are being recorded, so we have to do it via the mic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting you on the spotlight. So, oh, just stand here. Uh, I don't like to have my backs turned. <laughs> oh, um, hello, everyone. Uh, my question, um, my name is King Solomon, I'm a radio presenter. My name is King Solomon, I'm a radio presenter for BMH Radio. And my, I have so many questions. The, the one, ah, record time. The one question I have, or the first question I have at least, is that what happens when you find that a community radio station uh, is not licensed with summer and they're not keeping up? What, do you effectively shut down the whole operation? Or is the process giving them a, a chance or maybe a grace period to get their act together and okay. then shut them down? All right. Okay, so what, what we do do, the first, first and foremost is that, you know, the, the most challenging part about compliance by community radio stations is providing us with, you know, annual financial statements that verify how much advertising revenue the community station has, um, you know, has, has generated in the previous financial year. So what we do is first request the annual financials for a period of three months. We request, I mean, some of them are longer than a three-month period. So we would request the annual financials for a period of three months, which is the official process, following which we would then contact the, the radio stations to determine whether they would we'd like to have some sort of engagement to discuss why we don't have the annual financials because there are circumstances where auditors haven't completed the process or there's a change in station manager therefore you know no one knows what's happening with the, with with the SAMRA requirement so we would then have those engagements to determine what the delays are caused by so then the those engagements we do give an additional 3 month grace period then we send the first notice to inform the community radio station that we've been 
requesting the annual financials. We haven't received anything, so they need to provide us with those annual financials within a period of, you know, uh, 14 working days. If they fail to do that, then we'd send another notice, which is then the final notice, and we would then take the matter and escalate it to our legal department, who would then try to collect um, from the community radio station. So it's not, we don't automatically just send out a letter of demand and then go into a, into a litigation process. We like to engage, you know, which is something that I think we do a lot of, of talking with a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, licensees and music users. I mean, I think my job entails being in meetings. So I have so many meetings that I, yeah. I'm always in a meeting. So um, because we're trying to not go to a point where we're litigating against people because we understand that you need to use the music. You require it for your, I mean, if you're not using the music, I mean, if we shut you down, there's no music that's been used, which means when there's no music being used, our members are not getting royalties. So it's that's why we need to, it's a symbiotic relationship where we all have to work together in the food chain to ensure that we all get great value from from the music. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay, I'm, I'm just going to ask... Then, then fire away. Ask, ask them. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, so, with the, I read about it last year, I started reading about it last year, and I found out that actually there was a law that was going to be bypassed by the government saying that um, all creatives cannot register, I think. Uh, this law entails something along the lines of, uh, instead of, so movies can use your music, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and not pay you royalties. Mm -hmm. So, my question towards that is that what else can be registered as if, if I was an artist and I make music and I want to release a book and I want to release merchandise, what else does Samuel register for, create, for creative artists? Because it's no longer music, right, that they're releasing for people and to their, to their fans and customers. What else does Samuel register? All right, okay, maybe as a point of correction. So there is the Copyright Amendment Bill, and part of that is to to say that in terms of, of government usage of music, that there should be some sort of leeway that's given, not that you guys shouldn't, that people must just use your music. So that they, um, what it is is that we, um, you, you've created the works, the works belong to you. If you are the copyright owner, the act does state that you own the music and you are the only person that has the right to exploit that music. So if a movie is using your music, you obviously would get into synchronization agreements and all those um, type of contracts with whether it's the it's the production house or the yeah which would be the production house so a stir chemical for example as much as they don't create the, the movie but they distribute it they also have to still pay a license for the usage of the music in that in that movie because they are making money from the fact that they're playing this movie this movie has music usage embedded in it and there's that requirement to license so samro only deals with music works of composers and authors. So publishers come into the into the into play because publishers may own a certain uh, percentage of a musical work because you know you've 
you signed an agreement with Share Music and they, you know, take your music out for exploitation. So they would then form part of that food chain. So there is, there's no, there's no law that says you can't, you must use people's works without, uh, without fair compensation. But that's part of, part of the disputes that we're trying to have is because there are certain clauses that allude to, that are quite vague and allude to that. Hence the bill hasn't been signed because we've, we've protested as the music community, as you know, uh, CMOs or collective management organizations to ensure that the, the act is up to, up to par for the sake of the music creators. Yeah. Hello, how are you? I'm Kabange. Um, the question I would like to ask is, you also sign up DJs, they need to register with Samuel because when they're playing music, they need to pass royalties and also they need to submit a list of the songs that are playing at an event, right? And this, this will go to sampling. So if I'm using a song, probably uh, maybe two seconds or 15 seconds of a song and I sample it, I remake it. Am I still supposed to pay royalties? And if I don't want to pay royalties, how far back of a song should I go pick so that it's read it off into the system and I can use it for sampling? <laughs> okay. So whenever, whenever you, you use someone else's music and you sample, what we call it is that there's a you've you've kind of re, you've rearranged the song, and when you rearrange the song, you only get a certain percentage of a royalty towards that song. So you're not going to get hundred percent, especially if the music is still. So you're asking about how long? It's a fifty-year period after the death of the original uh, creator. Yes, because remember what happens is that the creator of the music, he's he for the for his lifetime, he owns that copyright. As soon as he dies, then his family is given an opportunity to exploit and earn from that. So after that period, then only can other people exploit it. So you'd have to go very far back into like the 1950s. I mean, well, from, it, from the death, you need to first determine when the person died and then count that. But that's when it's in pub, what we call DP, it's public domain um, music that anybody can use. I mean, that's why there was that huge fight with, um, you know, Solomon Linda and, you know, the lion uh, sleeps tonight. I'm not sure if anybody saw Remastered on, on Netflix, which was speaking to that and how it got exploited even when he was alive you know so that's that's how it works and his family's still alive and didn't necessarily benefit from the music even 50 years after before the 50-year period ended yeah and, uh, <laughs> and then uh the the question i i, I also have yeah. is the difference between an independent artist right registering their music and a record label registering 50 artists, right? Do you, in terms of registration fees at Samro, do you charge per artist or do you charge per work? So per album or do you charge, how, how does the charging, how is the charging and how does it differ from a person who's releasing music on their own and then a person who's under a record label or a company releasing music? When you say charge, what do you mean? Like a sign-up? Sign yeah, is, is there a sign-up fee okay. or... <laughs> uh, uh, look, you know, I don't work in right holder services, so about the sign-up fee, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check. But how it works is that as a person, you walk into our into our thingy, you walk into our offices. There actually isn't a sign-on fee, actually. So you walk, yeah, there isn't a sign-on fee. Yeah, what happens is that you re you report your works. 
you tell us what works you have, what works you own. So you would say, because you, you, can, you can decide that some of your works you don't want it to be um, registered, that you, wanted, you want to directly license, which means you're giving the right to other people to use your works and you won't collect or realize a royalty from Samro. So there's that option that you have and that would form part of what we call royalty-free music, that you can sell it to royalty-free music um, agents who would then uh, sell your mu or use your music for music on hold and provide it to other third parties. So you you report the works that you want to be um, to be under Samro. We would we will upload all the information that you want, and there isn't a difference between an independent and a record label. Everybody's regarded as a member as soon as you then you you load that music. It's just that there's different tiers of membership that fall into that. But there isn't, you know, we have, for example, people that create scores for movies and TV shows are necessarily people who are performing on stage and the most popular guys, and they're not signed to a record label. They're just independent creators of music. I could literally not be able to sing and just create, you know, write music, compose, and sell it to a generations, for example, and as that composer, I'll get my, my money from it. And I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't know is that composers of TV shows, of scores for TV shows and the likes, actually get the most royalties from everybody else. Because if you think about it, we'll, I'll use Generations. Generations plays every single day. That music is played every single day. There's all the repeats, there's all of that, you know, there's the omnibus, there's etc. Every single time that it plays, it gets recorded and then you get paid for it. So, you know, if you're a, um, a musician or an artist that your song plays on Metro FM, it doesn't play for the whole day your song's not playing. It, it plays at different intervals, so you're not necessarily getting the same as you would as a composer of a TV show score. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So just from a community radio perspective, but specifically in our community, not commercial. So a lot of people in community make their own ads with music that's already out there. How does that work? Because obviously, like, without saying anything, obviously everyone tries to get away with it, yeah. but yeah. how does that work? Well... <laughs> That is, that is actually in contravention unless you've, re you've released, uh, received a, you know, consent from the music creator to use it, you know. So there's as much as, you know, there's a lot of theories around the fact that, oh, no, but I'm only using 30 seconds, which means it's for, it shouldn't be, it should be fair dealings or fair use. And we argue that you're still using someone's. If you're going to say it's fair use, fair dealings, you need to then prove there's elements. Is it for educational purposes? What, you know, is it for your own commercial gain? If you you, if you're creating an ad and it's to advertise the station, it's a commercial thing. It's not. It's not educational purposes. So if you haven't received the sign-off or approval or consent from the works rights holder, then that is actually a contravention of the of the IP of the intellectual property. So it shouldn't actually be done. Yeah, and they can. Yeah. The penalties, they can sue you. They can sue you for the commercial value. They can assess how much you made from it and sue you and say they're claiming damages because you've used their, you've exploited their music. <laughs> you, hey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're choking, you see? <laughs> uh, good, good morning. What I wanted to ask is, uh, we are a community station, we are licensed, and we, we do comply, but our bank balance is zero, zero. So we want to comply to Samru, but we don't have the money. What's your stand on that? All right. So, in terms of of licensing, like I said, we would we we get we don't license you on your gross revenue. We license you on the advertising revenue. So, if you've realized the zero advertising revenue, we you just have to verify in your financial statement. So, we've got a sliding scale. I'm not sure if I can actually put it up because I do have a document that I prepared. Um, just that speaks to that because I figured that yeah that I would get the question. So can, as you can see, we we create a we created a grid and it's a sliding scale which is fixed. So if you are uh, your earnings are one rand um, and the maximum amount is twenty five rand, the flat fee that you'd pay is five hundred rand. So we're not trying to cripple. So if you've got zero zero, you don't fall into this into the scope. So you wouldn't pay a license. So we would need, you know, but we need it verified. We need the audited financials for us to verify that. So these are all the flat rates that are used, you know, to determine. So if you make less than a million rand, the minute you get to a million rand, then it becomes percentage of your advertising revenue. But once it's, you know, if you're only making 25 25,000 pardon me to 50,000 then that's a thousand rand that you'd be paying so we're we're really trying our best to not and I think this is part of the education that we want to get out there with the workshops is that we're not then trying to say if you're earning just because you're earning anything it doesn't mean it's enough and you need to earn it you need to sign a license so we would want you guys to have this information and to know how it works and not avoid contacting Samra because you're scared that we're gonna say pay pay but to know that there are actually mechanisms in place and that this is how we license yeah Hi, um, I'm also from BMH Radio. Um, so I, I asked this question earlier, but I think I asked the wrong person and I asked outside. So, because <laughs> yeah, they didn't know. Um, so this is if your radio station has adverts. Yes. So according to the amount of money you make from these adverts, you have to pay. So what is the per month payment that a radio station pays with, even if, let's say my station doesn't have adverts at all, nothing. What do we pay Samra? a rent then you're not on the grid so you're not paying if you haven't made money if you haven't made that advertising revenue so but you have to verify it we can't you can't just say no sorry i haven't made money you must send us your audited financials that indicate that you haven't made money it's a once once a year off. I mean, but there's uh, there are some people that if you if you made let's say a million rand and your your the amount is too high, we do enter into payment agreement plans with the community radio stations so you can play pay a certain portion over a 12 month period. Yeah. <laughs> I can ask me about your fees. No, I I, I got ripped off. Yeah, I I, I paid thirty thousand, mm-hmm. the last one. Yes. There's not 30,000, and I did not make over a million. Ha! Ha! No, I got robbed! No, I got robbed! Sure! Please do. Thank you. No, I will. We'll verify. We'll check your financials, what you reported, and then we'll, we'll verify that information. 
All right. Um, you know Sam Rene? Yeah, I know Sam. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to phrase this question, but um, simply. Anywhere I have been with community radio stations, whenever they, you know, they face a financial crisis and all of that, the biggest monster they don't want to face is you. They can go and, you know, like, owe everybody else, but they don't want to owe Samro. What, what measures have you guys, what measures are you or have you put into place to just, you know, go into community radio stations and make them aware that we know that you're not making a lot, but come to us so that we can, you know, sit down and talk. All right, so the, we've had the workshops previously before, but they weren't necessarily throughout the, the country. So we had workshops where we, we tried to engage with community radio stations, but unfortunately, the community radio station managers didn't come to the workshops. It, was very, it wasn't well attended because I guess people were kind of fearful of the fact that it's, it's going to be a forum for us to say you guys must pay and you must pay now and before you walk out of this door you would have signed a license. Meanwhile, you know, that's not how we're trying to operate as, a, as an organization. So that's why we've got the workshops, those community radio station workshops that are in the works that we are trying to roll out for the 2019-2020 financial year so that we can educate, we can all have conversations around the table around the SAMRO, what we do and how we can all learn from each other and how to create mechanisms that are fruitful. But, you know, our view is that this sliding scale is quite a reasonable one and the fact that we also enter into payment plan arrangement plans with the community radio stations is also not, because we're not saying you must pay it all in one go, we want it now. We're saying if you don't have the money and you want to pay it over a 12-month period, we are more than well, uh, willing to, to arrange that. It's just that you can't, you can't have a, a, a fee of 27000 you say, when I paid over three years, because in that three-year period, you're still going to accumulate and use music. So by the end of the three-year period, you're going to end up owing Samro an 80,000 rand bill because you're still trying to pay off you know, the three-year-old bill. So that's why then the payment plans would be over a period of a year, anything between three months, six months to a year that we enter those payment plans to help the stations and not bombard you guys and require the amount now and not speak. Yeah, you had a question. Uh, There's one lady there. We're going to have to take it. last question. Okay. That's a little bit behind. There was a question here. Yeah. I'm sorry, just quickly, if you have more questions, I'm going to suggest after this that they can still come to you. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm Namonde. We do scoring and we also do international artist representation. And I wanted to find out, in terms of artists performing nationally, I saw on your website there's something called um, the venues actually have to pay a portion to the artist besides their actual payment. And I wanted to find out what's the process with that. And then also, are there any measures that you are putting in place for when we actually do register our works on your website? I noticed that there isn't actually a metadata, so you have to search everything individually. And imagine with us scoring, and we're doing 500 songs a month, having to search 500 songs individually is tasking, it's too much admin on our side. Are you guys looking to improve how interactive your website is with... Okay, all right. Okay, so the first one, uh, you asked around the venues and uh, the requirement to license. Yeah, so 
Any music user is required to have a SAMRA license. If you're using it for commercial purposes, you always have to have a license. So irrespective of who you are. So if, if you're having a house party at your house and it's your 21st, you don't need to have a license because it's your party, it's in your house, it's, it's private usage. That's how we, we consider it private usage. But if you have a DJ that's going to play at your party, that DJ needs to be licensed because he's making money from being there. So it's a commercial transaction. So with venues as well, as much as the venues pay the artist who's performing. Sometimes the artist and the composer are not the same person. Yeah. Always use the example Whitney Houston sings, her sings I'll always love you, she didn't compose it. You know, she rearranged here and there, but she didn't compose it, which means the person who actually composed it needs to get their money. So that's why we would need, as much as they're paying the, the artist who's live on stage rapping the music. You know, with rappers it's a bit more different. Rappers are generally composers of their own music, but there's someone who's done and the production that production person still needs to get theirs for that composition you know so I think sorry for that but thank you so much I think that was very informative and I'm sure this can carry on for another hour but we have a next session here now so thanks Manoling